welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. of the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest this week is Juliet Burton, who is an award-winning comedian, a speaker, a writer, and a voiceover artist. She's also a mental health campaigner and an ambassador for Rethink Mental Illness. Mental health and mental illness is often at the centre of Juliet's comedy shows, and she has performed at the Edinburgh Fringe. Juliet started to struggle with mental ill health from a young age, And over the years, at one point in her life, she was actually diagnosed with 13 different mental health conditions. And she's been in and out of therapy for over 20 years. And if I'm being really honest, I kind of thought that that's exactly what we were going to talk about in this episode. I thought I'd sit down with Juliet. We do kind of the whole lived experience thing, track through the process of all those different diagnoses, talk about how she uses comedy to chat about these things and bring people into the conversation. And we didn't end up going down that route at all. And I'm really glad we didn't. This one just kind of, it turned into a really, really deep dive. And not only did I really enjoy it, but I got a hell of a lot out of it. I think over the last couple of years, Juliet seems to have been just doing such a deep dive on herself and her own healing and her own recovery and really doing the work. And that really comes across in the conversation. And because of all the self-work she's been doing, she's just got this understanding of how her brain works And not only was that fascinating to hear about, it also started making me think about how my brain works. And there's actually a moment in this episode where I have kind of, it's almost like a a realisation. You can hear me switch subconsciously from talking about we, as in the wider mental health community or mental health conversation, to I, me, and making it about me. And there's really something that my brain kind of latched onto And I've thought about it a lot since to the point where I actually I've been on a therapy break for about the last three or four months and I actually phoned my therapist and I've jumped back in. It was just one of those um, therapy style realizations, you know, where you go in to talk about one thing and you end up talking about something that you didn't even know you needed to talk about. And that just sends you down a whole different rabbit hole of trying to figure stuff out. So that's kind of what it did for me. And I can't thank Juliet enough for her time and her honesty because, uh, Yeah, both personally and professionally, this is a great episode. Something else that I want to talk about that me and Juliet talk about a lot during this episode is her new show. So it's called No Brainer and it's all about neuroscience and why we do the things that we do, about how our brain works, about neuroplasticity and about how this relates to our behaviour and make us behave in certain ways, why we get poorly, why we suffer with mental ill health. And just hearing about it was incredible. Juliet's done so much research that it was just fascinating. And she's touring this show. She's got a few dates coming up over April, May, June and into the summer. And one of those dates that's coming up shortly, she's at the Mac Comedy Fest in North Wales. She's there on the 1st of May and I've got myself a ticket. Me and my mate Pete are going to go and watch the show. After speaking to Juliet, I just, yeah, I had to go and see it. It just sounds wonderful. And if you listen to this episode and you feel like that too and you want to come along, drop me a message on Instagram or send me an email and let's make a plan to meet up. I know a lot of people who listen are Wirral-based, so it's only a couple of hours from here on the Wirral. If you want to jump in with me and we can share the petrol or something, that would be awesome. And if you don't want to do that or you want to meet me there, let's do it. Grab a ticket. It's the 1st of May, which is a Sunday. I think the show's at four o'clock. And it'd be great just to meet some people who listen to the podcast and connect about mental health and we can grab a coffee and go and watch Juliet talk about the brain. I think it would be a really wonderful way to spend an afternoon. And if you've got any questions about that or want to make a bit of a plan, just drop me a message, we'll make it happen. I've put the link in the episode notes to Juliet's website and that's got all the shows, all the information about the upcoming tour. I've also put in the episode notes a link specifically to the MacFest show. So if you want to grab a ticket, I think they're about eight quid. You can just click that link and hopefully I'll see you there. We'll have a proper mental day out. So like I say, the link to Juliet's website is in the episode notes, probably the best way to get hold of her. She's also at Juliet underscore Burton on Instagram or at Juliet Burton on Twitter. If you want to catch up with me, propermentalpodcast.com or at propermentalpodcast on all social media channels. 
If you could take two minutes to like, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word, make a bit of a noise, it would be very much appreciated. And hopefully I'll see you at the Matt Comedy Fest on the 1st of May. So here we go. This is episode 70 with Juliet Burton. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Juliet Burton. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. I'm all the better for chatting with you. How are you? I'm very well, very well indeed. Thank you so much for for joining me, mate. It sounds like you're um you're busy at the moment. You've got a got a lot on. Um, we all do, don't we? <laughs> there's, there's always there's always a lot on, um, and uh, we've all had uh, a lot going on in the last couple of years. Even when there's literally nothing happening, if we're just trying to breathe, that seems to be quite a challenge for some of us uh in the last couple of years so yeah yeah um but I suppose that's not necessarily the um the the marketing spiel I should be saying (laughs) I should be I could be saying uh that um yes I've I've been doing some work in progresses uh progress shows of my new show um and uh I'm taking a bit of a a break between uh, these work in progresses and then the next batch of um, previews and work in progresses in uh, May, June and July um, of this year. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm very eager and excited to talk to you about that and so much more, Tom. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, that's good to hear. But speaking of like the work in progress, is that, um, so you kind of got a new show and is that kind of like fleshing ideas out and ironing bits out and finding out what what works where and all that sort of stuff? Absolutely yes, I um, I do have a new show um, which I'm I'm really excited by. Um, I believe at the moment we're not taking it to Edinburgh, but it will be around other parts of the country over the coming months. Um, so it might might end up going to Edinburgh maybe next year. But um, I'm kind of in love with just getting back out into communities and um, and and meeting people and, and hearing how their last couple of years have been. I mean it's a complicated question and a complicated answer for every single one of us but um but yes the there's a new show it's called um no brainer so it was called hope punk um i got an arts council grant um to do a uh, some research for a show all about how to find hope when things seem hopeless and a year ago i applied for that grant and last june found out that we we got it and then i started doing my research and it turns out that hope is bullshit um and <laughs> and i uh, i was in also amidst a of a um of uh, my brain just broke um a sort of t- in that third that third lockdown do you remember the first lockdown that was kind of like oh it was all sunny and we were watching tiger king and it was kind of a novelty uh and then the second lockdown in sort of november time uh, of 2020 that was like okay this is a bit really annoying and disappointing but hey we've got loads of comedians doing zoom gigs now and we're used to that and then do you remember the third lockdown in january 2021 where like everything that you saw felt and heard and smelt was just hopeless and depressing that that one that one kind of got to me a little bit and my brain during that period just i just my brain just broke it has broken a number of times before in the past um, so you know i had a, had some subtle hints that maybe something wasn't quite right up there for many years but um but it broke so badly that i i i hurt someone i loved um very much and um i uh, i decided finally last year to do something about it and that was when I got the um, I got the Arts Council grant as well. So I started doing research into hope and was like, nah, this isn't for me. Um, it isn't for anyone, actually, when you because hope is an ambiguous term, you know, mm. so you can hope to catch a bus. You can hope to get an, a PhD. You can hope that life gets better, but without action, it doesn't actually change anything. So that's when I started to research neuroscience and uh, tr- wanted to find out why my brain made me behave in a way that was against my values and my principles and it didn't actually represent my true character uh, and that led into not I call it research but actually it's just I I had no other choice because I I I had so much regret that I was living with um, and I read quite early on in this phase of my life that um, if you have 
unbearable regret then the uh, you can i have to you have a choice either you can let it eat you alive and um become all-consuming or you can use that energy to make sure that whatever it is that you regret doing never ever happens again um and that's what i have thrown myself into because the regret was unbearable um the amount of pain that i cause i caused um people that i loved around me um threw me into um finding out all about uh childhood trauma um uh trauma um healing uh, therapies um about um attachment disorder about again for me it was like the neuroscience of it like why does why did i respond and behave that way from a from a neuro neurology point of view um so now i now know about i was about to say i now know all about the brain i'm not a neuroscientist i'm not a doctor i'm not medically qualified in any way uh, but i have made a comedy show out of some very bare basic um information uh some some research about the brain and actually that is where i find hope because part of this research has taught me that a thing called neuroplasticity is possible so we can actually literally change our minds it takes fucking hard work and it is brutal <laughs> but um you can completely change uh, who you are and how your brain functions and how you behave, um, which is what I've been doing in the last few months. And it's all gone into this show, which I think might be my favorite ever, 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 ever show that I've ever done. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's really, really interesting. And I've, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I suppose like this, like you said about hope, it can be, um, you know, it can be fleeting and maybe pinned to the wrong things or things that don't exist or whatever. But having that, sometimes when you have the science behind things, then that gives you a different type of hope, right? So if you know why things happen, when you've got a why, it's very easy to work out a how and a what. And sometimes it, the problem is the not knowing, right? Yeah, it's well, basically, I think um, I, I've realized part of this research is that there's certain parts of our brain that, um, that if you it's like any any muscle although brain is not a muscle i know that much <laughs> i know i said i'm not medically qualified i know the brain isn't a muscle i don't think but anyway um it says parts of our brain that you can you can exercise you know you can you can strengthen different parts of um different neuro pathways in your brain and over the years i think i i now know that i have um strengthen neuro pathways that were about ambiguous terms and about hiding staying hidden and hiding my vulnerability um which seems counterintuitive considering that i've prided pr prided prouded my i don't know prided myself i'll stick with that on being open about my mental health history um but actually i was presenting a narrative fit for public consumption uh, behind which i could hide and um a part of this research i've realized is um there's other parts of our brain that can be strengthened to help with things like emotional control or um and think things like maths are when and, and science scientific points of view scientific um uh methods and approaches to problems um and mathematical uh, approaches to problems i used to dismiss as being just boring and i don't really want to care about it but actually it can be this that's the part of my brain that i need to needed to strengthen for many 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 years and it's helped no end to approach it from that more this that less emotionally poetically driven point of view and approach it from a um a more grounded um safer secure um approach and um yeah i basically i, I realized that because i love performing and i love writing i love creating i love but the thing i love most is the communities that you meet of people of audiences and i really thanks to the pandemic had to have a long hard word with myself of do i want to carry on doing this yeah. because it's well there's lots of lots of reasons why um it might be harder to do it um and the answer that i came to is um it's not all or nothing it doesn't have to be the way it was it can be it can be what it is now differently but i do want to carry on because I want I want to help people, um, which again sounds ambiguous. But what does that mean? It means I've learned a lot of inward activism. My pre my previous shows, I think I spent a long time saying lots of outward activism things like um, oh be kind and love your body, and now I cringe a little bit because 
actually this show is the first time that I've done a more, I've pressed pause and I've done a lot more inward activism of considering my, my life and why I behave the way I behave. And I've learned a lot and I want to kind of say, hey guys, everyone out there, there might be some stuff in here that might help you. And so there's like a bibliography at the end, whereas where if somebody hears something in the show that they are like, actually, I think I need to read up more about that, then they can, they absolutely can. They can take that, take this as a starting point and the end of the show is a, is a beginning of whatever they want it to be. I don't say that because that in the show, because that, that sounds massively cheesy and, um, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's lovely to have that kind of um yeah, that resource element at the end. I think that's um that's a really good thing, you know, when we're talking to these things to be able to yeah, take away and then go and look into things for our own eyes and our own lens, our own experience to to see how we can apply them to ourselves. But something that really jumped out to me then Juliet was um that whole idea around almost like rehearsed vulnerability. And it's something that I think about a lot myself. You know, I talk a lot about my mental health on this podcast and on other people's podcasts. And I've told my story so many times that I can just do it now. You know, it's just like, it's just something, it's almost a performance. But I found when I was in therapy or if I was like trying to open up to my wife or if I was trying to kind of dig a little deeper, it was actually harder for me because I'd find myself going into almost the more polished version you know the more like you know neatly wrapped presented version of who you are here is my mental health to discuss and I was wondering if you you know it sounds like you've maybe had a similar experience because obviously your comedy and your mental health journey your mental illness journey is a, a linked it's something you talk about a lot and do you find sort of separating you know the, the comedy from the experience from the person if that makes any sort of sense am i oh, it uh, makes yeah perfect sense um and it this is one of the one of the brilliant things about this um this journey i've been on recently is that all of this makes sense as as um nonsensical as the behavior might appear to be it does all make sense um because we are programmed we we are we are mammals and our brains will will coax us towards um dif different behaviors but we if we understand it we can coax ourselves into a different response um yeah performative surface level engagement is um not a review of one of my previous shows um but it, honestly when i look back on them i'm like yeah that was performative surface level engagement is what most of my I, most of my life was really. Um, and that is a phrase that I learned through um, learning about trauma responses and um, threat responses. So um, when our amygdala, <laughs> when our amygdala fires off um, about a danger, um, which is a part of our brain that is, is primed to help us respond to danger. Uh, it does loads of other shit as well, but this is the area that I'm most interested in. Um, we can have one of the four responses, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And fawn is, um, is people pleasing and being whatever we need to be to diffuse a threat and a part of that for me was um performative surface level engagement so yes my mental health um story uh it's inc it's very nuanced and um i packaged it i think the phrase that you picked up on was um a narrative fit for public consumption and I hid behind it. And that phrase as well came from a book that I read called The Body Keeps the Score, um, which is by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, it's one of the seminal works of our age, a uh, strong recommendation. I'd recommend buying it for the graphs and then listening to the audiobook because it's quite dense, um, but it's wonderful. Um, the idea of telling a narrative fit for public consumption and um, kind of that rehearsed vulnerability that you mentioned, that is something that I think I, I hid behind for many, many years. And I realized it's actually was, was the way into comedy for me was that I realized, um, I wanted to talk about my mental health, uh, experience. Um, I was sectioned under the mental health act. I've had experience of a psychosis. So hallucinations, audible and visual, uh, I've had vast weight gains and weight losses due to eating disorders. Um, lots of, um, what is problematic, it's an admiring the problem. Um, so that kind of glamorization of the other, you know, oh, it's so dark and interesting. And um, it's so, you know, look at the, you know, back, harking back to the Victorians being taken around asylums and paying to see the people in the asylums. And we still have that as a part of our programming of um, societally speaking of them versus us. And I think I hold myself accountable that I, I was, um, 
not it wasn't intentional but i think i realized i wanted to be open i wanted to talk about it because it is me uh, it is a part of my history people responded positively of um oh i'm so pleased you're talking about this because i've been through similar or i know someone and i now understand it better who's been through similar that's all well and good but i've done that for 10 years uh raising awareness and being a public speaker and doing comedy shows about it. And I've been blessed with some incredible, um, I was about to say, I've been, I said I've been blessed. I've worked really fucking hard to um, create shows that have won awards and um, have sold out at Edinburgh Fringe four years in a row. And we've gone, I've gone to on tours in Australia, New Zealand, uh, or across the UK. The Arts Council have funded a number of researchers and tours. I love it. I love performing, but, I think I got caught up in this opportunistic um, whirlwind uh, and this cycle of um, retelling that narrative fit for public consumption. And I didn't stay with what was behind that. I didn't examine what was in the shadows um, and I was trying to run away from it. Um, so a part of what has happened in the last few months um, for me is because of this big um, moment last year that um, I had to, I had to change. There was no other, there's no other, there was nothing, no other option because I couldn't, I couldn't be who I was. I, I, I behaved appallingly. Um, I looked back at all of this, um, these public speaking events, the, the work I'd done, I'm not ashamed of it at all, but it was, a, it was of its time and we're ready for better. I'm ready to be better. I'm ready to get better. And I think society, we're kind of, aren't we just done with the, with the constant awareness raising? Cause awareness doesn't lead to change. It doesn't lead to better funding. It doesn't lead to us feeling better. It just stay, we stay stuck as a society and as in individuals and I can't stay stuck anymore because I want my life to, to be to be better um and I yeah that's I think that's something that I've I hold myself accountable for is is um even on this podcast I would have usually come on done a couple of lines about my mental health history done chucked a couple of jokes in there and uh, and then tried to market myself really well um so that people would buy tickets to my shows which i still want them to do but i also i don't that isn't what i what the messages i want to, to put across anymore I, I want to put across that don't that, that there's there's we can do better we can do better than this and and i think we all of us now have had a shit couple of years and we are ready for better from at every angle of the mental health conversation um from ourselves to ourselves my communication with myself is now the the thing i'm working on the most um because it turns out i was distancing myself again going back to i've rabbited on there but we've I've, i found a way back i found a segue back um the performative uh, surface level engagement the telling us a narrative fit for public consumption uh, is a way to distance myself from my from feeling the feelings that are intolerable. So telling jokes about being sectioned under the Mental Health Act, that is, it was great. It was a great way at the time to help, uh, help let, reassure people, we can talk about this and it's okay. And some people get sectioned and it's not fun, but let's, let's not be afraid of it. That was, that was an important part of the societal conversation. But I realized in this pro process in the last few months that uh, that is good, but I, I was still distancing myself from the visceral memories, the repressed memories of being sectioned. And that's one example of a number of examples of repressed memories that, um, uh, some of which I, I have talked about on stage, but some of which I, I will not and have not and sh shall not. Um, but learning those boundaries, learning learning what boundaries were. I didn't even know what boundaries were before all this work. Um, I just thought it was just something that was people talked about occasionally, you know, like, I don't know, the Brexit boundary, which, you know, puts a boundary between the UK and common sense. You know, it's, we've, I've learned a lot. And um, I want, I, I think that this is part of what I want to offer to audiences now is, look, this is, I've learned a lot. Here's some of it and it might help you learn a little bit as well um and i think that as with the, with our conversation here um and well i say conversation i've just monologued at you for a while um but 
it's a part of the mental health conversation of we can do better than this. We need to actually do more than just let's talk about depression because that doesn't mean that we get better from depression. Let's talk about being uh, sectioned. Great. That doesn't mean that people get better care when they're sectioned or it also doesn't mean that people who've been sectioned like myself have actually processed that traumatic experience of what that's like, you know? Um, so taking a breath, taking a pause and saying, okay, there's stuff going on deep, deep down. Let's examine it. Let's consider it. And therefore hopefully lead to a more considered way of being in a human. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. I love that so much. It, very strangely, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and they asked me, you know, what do you think we should be doing to spread the awareness conversation? And that's I, very, my thoughts are very, very aligned with yours, Juliet, you know, and what I said as part of that conversation was, well, I think people are aware. So what so now? Aware. I'm hyper yeah. aware. I'm too aware. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's, it, you know, so if we just show up how, you know, look to demonstrate that awareness, that was my answer to the question, right? So rather than asking people to talk about mental health, I'm going to talk about my mental health. You know, I'm going to show people how to do it rather than just say, be aware of it. This is what we should do. And then kind of move on because, because what, like you say, what then we raise that awareness and, you know, and then that's the scary bit, isn't it? Of, of realizing you need help. I didn't know I needed help for a long time. And then when I did know, I put off getting it because I felt safer in the chaos of not being very well. So sometimes just the awareness, it can stir the pot even, <laughs> if there that was, makes sense. Yeah. So no, it makes perfect sense. There was um, a, a survey uh, done in the UK uh, that was published a couple of weeks ago um, about mental health in the, I'm saying wake of the pandemic, but there's stats arising again. Um, I, I've, I want to find it actually because I'm doing, I'm doing it by memory. I was reading it earlier this morning. Um, uh, I, I think it said, well, it definitely said that one in three people, one in every, one in every three people are experiencing symptoms of um, anxiety or depression. Um, depression cases have doubled um, and, uh, and yet the number of people who are actually seeking help, the barriers, um, they, there was a lot of in the survey about the barriers uh, to seeking help and um, that men say uh, that the number one reason that men don't seek help is um, because they're scared of um, hospitalization against their will. The number one reason that women uh, don't seek help is because they don't want to open up about their feelings or their thoughts. Uh, and the number one reason that young people aged 18 to 24 don't seek help is because they're scared of being a burden to the medical staff, which uh, was it was 17% of the people in that age bracket said that that was the case, which is um, more than three times the uh, number of um, uh, people in, say, over 65s. So over 65, they don't mind being a burden to that's hang on. That's that's an inaccurate rephrasing that shows my ageism i'm so sorry i i am getting older myself so i need to look at that um but yeah the the older people are less concerned with being um a, a, a bother to to the nhs I, I that's not the right phrasing language is clunky but you understand my uh, exactly much so yeah they're more open to entering into that that process there you go but the 18 to 24 year olds are most concerned with um that being like that's why they're not seeking help and people um don't seek help for uh, six months it up, up to six months if ever it's a fascinating survey and it's really well worth um checking out um it's it was over seventeen thousand people in the uk took part um but yeah the stats are that mental health is a massive 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 problem we all have mental health just like we all have physical health this is a little phrase that I use again and again and again, one of those that I, I don't hide behind it, it's just factual. Um, but we all have mental health, just like we all have physical health. Um, some of us have short term mental health conditions, just like some of us might have physical health short term conditions. Some of us might have lifelong conditions that we have to learn to manage for the rest of our life, much like physical, we, it, mental health, it's not a them versus us, it's all, it's all of us have it. The awareness I think that you're talking about is interesting because we've been going, we've been banging on as a society about awareness, mental health awareness, hashtag mental health awareness, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. That's great. But what about the self-awareness of like, why we, everyone, everyone that I meet knows that I've got depression, anxiety, sectioned under the mental health act, because I keep constantly bringing it up. Um, that's not actually helping me 
heal that's perpetuating the problem that's perpetuating that's focusing on admiring the problem and not finding the solution so it's the self-awareness of of looking inward and figuring out as i said earlier what's hiding in the shadows so when we're talking about mental health awareness now i think we need to make it less of a hashtag and more of a we're going to look inward and actually try to start healing some of this stuff because it's really problematic when you get poster children for mental illness um and it's I mean, there have been people, there have been other comedians I know who have other selling points and they're now hopping on the mental health bandwagon. And it's like, okay, I see that it might be coming from a really good place. You see, you are here now and saying, I want to be a part of this conversation. And I'm sure it isn't opportunistic. I'm sure it's because you want to be open about it. That's wonderful. But social media has perpetuated that problem of okay, we're aware, we're so aware, let's keep talking about the problem, keep talking about the problem. That doesn't mean we're actually healing from it. If anything, it's leading to further boundary issues because boundary issues are to social, social media to boundary issues are what an open flame is to a gas leak. You know, like it's not, this is not a time to, to be constantly talking about the problem. We need to start looking, I mean, no, hang on. I'm gonna say it from an eye perspective. I realized I took a social media break. I I took a break from lots of my friends as well because I realized that I I needed to learn how to be alone and I needed to learn what my what parts of myself I hadn't healed, what parts of myself were still screaming out in pain um because those were the parts that took the wheel when I behaved appallingly in the last couple of years towards the people I loved the most. Um and those that's that's the awareness that I need in order to move my journey forward. And that's part of what I think needs to start coming into the conversation, not about my journey, but about how do we move forward personally as well as societally. Mm, I mean, that makes so much sense. I and I suppose so. it, it really did. Yeah, that was wonderful. And I suppose that if, um, you know, a lot of these things like um, polished vulnerability, are these are they, really it's like a kind of like a coping mechanism right it's like you said to avoid dealing with the stuff underneath that well i suppose talking about mental health and you know spreading awareness that can become that as well so if i'm looking at distraction from dealing with me i can quite easily you know i can i can talk about these things and i can say it under the guise of raising awareness and i can say that i'm exploring this openly but really all i'm doing is using that as an excuse not to deal with maybe something that I need to deal with so that's really Actually, got me thinking I mean I'm, I'm not maybe I'm not the one, not the one yeah. to tell you it's got to be it's got to be you um yeah. it's got to be up to you um I just know that it's it, I know that the last few months have been very difficult because um you know from a professional point of view if if I'm I had shows that I cancelled because um, not because of COVID. Shockingly, um, there are other there are other things that have gotten in the way, such as I I just knew I, I my brain wasn't working um, last summer, um, and I needed it. It was it was um, it was crunch time. It was that that time of right. I there's no way that I can get up on stage and um, and speak as me and say 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 this this perpetuation narrative um because it's not coming from an authentic self it's not coming from um from the me that i actually am and um i, I kept that it was absolutely right to cancel a few shows um and uh it's it's dangerous it, it it felt dangerous because um because i love performing and it's all about momentum and about um about um, having having some sort of audience interaction, but during the pandemic, again boundaries with audiences it became a, a real difficulty for me because um, the there were you know the, we all went on to Zoom gigs and then Twitch and relied on social media. I was so in that um, danger, that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn um, response to this perceived threat of I'm going to lose my income, I'm going to lose my audiences, I'm going to lose well hold the phone for a second and just look at firstly that led me to um to breaking boundaries left right and center like um needing audiences rather than choosing to be with audiences and not and not looking at what those unmet needs from the past were within me 
that I hadn't healed that I was expecting audiences to to fulfill. Um, and I realized with some deeper work with on myself that um, not just audiences, but a number of other things in my life, whether it was food, overspending, clothes, whatever it was, I was constantly searching for unmet needs that were programmed and conditioned from an early age uh, that now instead I, I needed I need I need to fulfill that need within myself. I need to meet my own needs and um, yeah, being being in front of audiences, I mean, there were so many problems with like Twitch streams where there were some horrible trolls. Audiences are amazing, but audiences cannot heal what I need to heal within myself first and foremost. Um, so having done some of that healing, bringing a new show with a new me, um, a new way of being, like it's not a completely different persona. It's just, it's me. It's just an authentic me. And I would love to, excited and like oh we're gonna we're gonna do a whole tour the arts are also in a precarious position right now and um it's it's scary times for for arts and artists but um i think part of the conversation for arts and mental health and comedy and mental health is are we are we really aware because i i mean i thought i was aware of of where my boundaries were before now um i wasn't and if if I could time travel back to that old me um, and say to her, hey, are you sure you know what you're doing? She would have been like, yeah, of course I do. What the hell are you? Do you can't tell me how to live my life, woman that looks older than me. Um, I I wouldn't have listened. You, you only learn when you're ready to learn. And I'm saying that now with a newfound humility that I'm sure that later on today, I might meet a woman who looks a bit like me, but even older. And she might tell me that I, are you sure? She might ask me, are you sure you know what you're doing? No, I, that would be the answer. No, I've got no idea. I at least now I know that I've got no idea what I'm doing, but I'm open to learning. It's a Dunning-Kruger effect. Have you heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? I haven't, no, no. Okay, I friggin' love this. This is like, just, I just, I, I'm such a fucking geek and I had, and I knew I was, but I didn't really know I was until now. Um, so the Dunning-Kruger effect is um, when, a person greatly overestimates their competency in, in, in a given area, could be any area, greatly overestimates their competency. There's a graph that goes along with it. If you're a fan of graphs, I fucking love a graph. Um, they greatly overestimate the competency in a given area, competency or knowledge in any given area. And um, so the graph kind of goes like, they think, they think they're wonderful. So they, they think they've, they've done really well. There's a little peak of peak of stupidity. The, I think it's called on the graph, like, mount, mount, mount of stupidity. And then you have this massive crash of confidence because you realize, actually, I know, I know nothing. And for the last few months, I've been in this, I think it's called the valley of despair of that you, you realize how little you knew of something that you thought you were great at and you thought you knew so much about. And then that there's a slower slope, the slope of enlightenment. It's a slower slope upwards. And then you get to a plateau, I believe the plateau of, Oh God, I've forgotten what it is. It's something about like plateau of, of sustainability, something like that. It's something about, um, when, with this new knowledge, new practice, new ways of being, um, you need to, you have to have that horrible peak of, uh, Mount, Mount of, Mount stupid. And then the Valley of despair of, Oh shit. Like they, I, this is a part of the new show. I, I realized last year that I, I had this awakening um, because uh, I hurt someone I loved and they challenged me to be better by by leaving my life. And I looked around myself and went, shit, I've been living in piles of shit. Oh, this is this shit stinks. I've really got to fucking sh level up because this is disgusting. I can't live like this. This is shit. Started hosing myself down, started climbing the mountain of shit, got to the summit and then looked around and realized there were piles of shit everywhere that I had to climb um so uh yeah that that part of the show does make it um a 12 plus uh, yeah. there's, enough, there's enough swearing without it uh, I could have performed the show to under fives so I don't think they necessarily <laughs> enjoy it that much because it's a bit wordy and there's not enough pepper pig that's true but they might appreciate a very colorful graph so you know yeah, you can throw uh, that in a mix and yeah, and it, there's definitely some colours, there's some glitter in there. I hid again. I hid behind glittery outfits. I've I've had lots of different hiding places: glittery outfits, ambiguous language, hiding 
hiding behind performative surface level engagement, hiding behind my mental health diagnoses and perpetuating that narrative fit for public consumption that isn't actually engaging with the visceral, um, the visceral responses and the visceral memories that I need to process. Yeah, that's really interesting because I wanted to talk about diagnosis as well, because I think for some people it's really, really useful useful to have a name for what they're experiencing or several names and some people don't like it it's not so useful and this whole thing and it's something you talk about a lot in um in the things i've seen from your work and different interviews and stuff this whole idea about identity and when we label our our illnesses then it does become part of our identity and then how we navigate to not be defined by that. And I was thinking that must be like quite difficult for yourself as well because of discussing these things in your work. So that's like a, a double identity thing, right? So there's the label of the diagnosis and then there's the whole thing about being the, you know, I'm doing air quotes now, which people can't see, but, um, you know, the mental health comedian as well. And is again, is that a, a, you have to work to separate yourself from, from the labels? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think this is, I mean, this is, I am impressed by your research because the show that I did before the pandemic began was um, a show called Defined, which was about how uh, we label each other. Um, and, you know, there's lots of binary um, choices in labeling ourselves and um, whether that be um, a political option. Um, what are you one thing or are you, are you another? Are you, is it gender? Is it uh, sexuality? Is it, um, where you're from, uh, like these these boxes that we put people in, and that can be um, a, an illness, a physical illness, a mental illness, a disability, a neurodivergent condition. That the labels can be helpful to find um, to find other people with similar experiences, um, but it can also be a problem if it, if we see a label and that's all you see. And that was kind of the the message that I was trying to get across in that show that I was doing pre pandemic. And then we had the pandemic and where I'm at now with like labels is, I think we've too quickly hidden behind those labels. I think I, I mean, it's, I mentioned in the show about like, uh, it's a problem when people see a label and that's all they see. I think that was the way I was living my life was I saw labels I uh, of myself. Um, not necessarily of other people, but of myself. And, and I just, that was all I was, 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 um, I, and I hid that vulnerability behind those labels and I found a community and I found, you know, yeah, I was a mental health comedian. And I think that if I'm honest, I, I think that's probably why I started, um, you know, I think at, at the time when I first started talking on stage about it, um, it was a bit trendy. I, well, it wasn't that it wasn't that I was purposefully trying to join a trendy tribe. It was, oh, this is a conversation that hasn't been had before. Um, and I think I was booked a lot because of those conversations. And I'm still very happy to be booked um, to have those conversations. And diagnoses can help people a lot. Getting the right diagnosis, though, that's the key. I've been diagnosed with 13 different mental health conditions. Um, and it turns out that all of those stem from one. Um, and I didn't get that diagnosis until the beginning of 2020. So just when I was entering into the right therapy, the right treatment, lockdown happened. And of course, therapy, um, we tried to do it via Zoom and on phone, but it just isn't, you don't move forward in that way. Also, I wasn't really engaging with therapy in a way that was, um, I was just going to therapy. I didn't realize that doing therapy meant doing the hard work in between the sessions, do, like doing reading, doing journaling, doing the exercises, like actually wanting to explore it. I didn't I didn't do any of that. I just thought oh, I'll turn up on a Zoom call for an hour with my therapist every 50 minutes uh, every week and uh, and tick I've done therapy. It was literally a tick box exercise for me and I hate people ticking boxes, but that is what I was doing. And um I whenever I went on dates with people but when I was single um way back when it was oh I'm going to I'm going to tell them all about my mental health history because and I said it in that show of it sorts the wheat from the chaff. The people that will run away from that, well, I don't want them in my life anyway. The people that will stay, um, they, they, there's a chance that it could work. But now I'm looking back on that and going, well, but there's so much more to me. Um, and I, I was stuck with this boxing myself in of this is who I am. 
And nowadays I would love to, to actually get to know who that was that was hiding and that, that in a, that wounded inner person, um, I'm, I'm getting to know her for the first time. Um, and I've, I'm strengthening that sense of self now because you can have a very fragmented sense of self if you've got something like um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is the one condition of mine that that meant that I developed all those other conditions and all those other diagnoses. But it, there's a massive problem if you talk about those problems that weren't actually the problem. Um, like we, we all do it, whether you've got a mental health diagnosis or not, we all have a habit of occasionally focusing on a problem that isn't actually the problem but it's a symptom of the problem. And we think by solving that problem, that that's gonna help with anything else, but actually we're not addressing the real problem deep down. Um, so for me, my anorexia that I was sectioned for, that wasn't actually the problem. That's why I kept finding new ways of being ill, uh, not consciously, but my my nervous system wasn't soothed. My My brain and my nervous system I hadn't done the deeper work, the deeper healing The I was been running away from those things for all of my life. And last year was the year that I hope I hope I've gotten to the root of it now, because I, if there's more levels to go, then this is I'm knackered. I'd quite like a rest. Um, but <laughs> but I'm now actually doing some work that seems to be making proper changes. And I'm, ga- I'm engaging with therapy in a way that is um is actually I'm seeing not just me but other people I'm I'm who've known me for many years have responded some of them not positively some of them very positively but either way it doesn't matter because it's that I need to do this change I need to I need to stop hiding behind people pleasing and hiding behind um these these trauma bonded not trauma healed um interactions and um and actually look out for myself look after myself um in a in a healthy way with healthy boundaries i'm rabbiting tom hey that was lovely that that last bit there was just beautiful and i think what the the work that you're doing at the moment it sounds it sounds challenging and it sounds really really hard but it also sounds like really beautiful and just kind of how you summed it up then with like you know making changes to yourself and, and looking after yourself ultimately i think that's um that's incredibly powerful and it was a really good point about going to therapy and actually doing the therapy you know i've had two breakdowns and i know that the second one was a direct result of not not finishing going through the first one (laughs) um but you know i think sometimes i feel like you get a little tap on the shoulder you kind of get to a bit and you go i'm all right for a bit and then you get a little tap on the shoulder from life and it's just saying maybe do a little bit more work you've had a rest i've allowed you to have a rest you've enjoyed these new learnings is a little tap on the shoulder maybe it's time to hop back in and i think when you ignore the tap then sometimes uh you know that bit shouts louder to get your attention oh mate it was a gut punch it was it was it was yeah the tap was going on for quite a number of years but last year was a proper like <laughs> a punch to the gut a slap to the face a kick to the nose like, up, like it was a proper like i've been in it just I couldn't move I was in I'd been in the ring with I don't know why I was going to say Frank Bruno because well mental health advocate uh, I, I'd been in the in the ring with Frank Bruno for for a number of uh a number of hours and yeah I um it was it was make or break time it was just you have to do something like it's it's like I've been I, I again I'm just nicking stuff out of the show but um I'd been well actually this has been cut so you can have this one um they uh I've been driving around in my brain with the check engine light on for many many years and it's like right so I just I just ignored it hoped it would get better that's why hope is a dangerous thing you hope things will get better without actually doing anything about it and um yeah unfortunately uh those piles of shit that I was living in um that was a result of me not doing this work um so I guess that's I, I do want to carry on performing. I love writing. I love I love performing, but performing doesn't have to be performative. Um, and the only way that I'll make sure it isn't performative is if I look at what it is that's properly intrinsically motivating me, not extrinsically motivating me. So making sure that it's not just for the paycheck, it's for the what am I actually wanting that that audience communication. If I'm communicating with myself better now, I want to communicate directly with audiences better as well from from to call to call out to them of, of their authentic selves and and help hopefully they might get a sense of that somehow and yeah that, that tap on the shoulder like when you're ready 
you're you're already that as a horrible i hate it it's a, a phrase that i i used to there's so many phrases that i used to just hide behind as well that i picked up in therapy and i just rabbit them off and say oh there you go i've done it i've done therapy because i've got this phrase no it's messy and it's ambiguous and um one of those phrases though is when the pupil is ready the teacher will appear and that's great i just didn't realize that there had been teachers all around me for a number of years ready and waiting for me to do better and be better and i was just refusing to i wasn't on that level of awareness of self-awareness yeah um, i'd been so so focused for years on being a part of the mental health awareness chat conversation that the self-awareness i i i'd neglected and i suppose the the more authentically you can show up for yourself then the more authentically you're able to show up for you know exactly those those people that you're talking about there mate, like I've, said, show don't tell show don't tell show don't tell except oh, we're doing a podcast where i'm telling oh no <laughs> oh no oh, what a contradiction <laughs> quick no. phone your therapist yeah. <laughs> um what did you mention the shows you've changed the name of the show Juliet. yeah so it um, was called um hope punk and it's now called no brainer so um because hope is uh, not as good as action and brains are uh, much more easy easy to understand um it, there's a there's a reason why we act the way we act and um i find hope in neuroplasticity so i've got some i've got some shows coming up in may june and july and i hope that people can i hope people can join me Ugh. no i hope i i want be come join me <laughs> call to oh, action yeah me. mate that that was wonderful you've given so me so much to think about there on a personal level as well as on a podcaster level i enjoyed that immensely thank you so much for your time mate and i'll make sure all those shows are in the episode notes and all that because me personally if it's anywhere near me i would love to see it based on our conversation I would, then i would love that we can do what is known as um there's a thing called top down and bottom up recovery top down meaning you learn about it and it goes into your brain and you do the talking therapy and and then your body soothes bottom-up recovery is when you're soothing your automatic nervous system to mean that your brain is aware that we're not in danger um we won't do any of that we'll do um bottoms up recovery which is when you have uh, a glass of wine oh mate well i'd love that very much thank you so much for your time today Julia. thank you so much Tom. It's been a pleasure. proper mental podcast please like and subscribe the space time